Friends, welcome to Theology for Teachers, a podcast for Catholic high school teachers. I'm Ed Nyberg. Our guest today is Gail Rusi, who is here to talk about prayer in a diverse classroom. Gail is Associate Director of Campus Ministry and Coordinator of Liturgy at John Carroll University, where she, among other things, teaches a course on interreligious dialogue. Welcome, Gail. Thank you. Great to be here. It's good to have you. Um, tell us a little bit about your role in campus ministry. Um, we were talking a bit before the inter- interview about the various interfaith initiatives that you uh, help coordinate here on campus. What are some of those initiatives? So, in the for the past five years, we've had an effort to get all of our interfaith groups on campus connected, and so we've formed an interfaith committee. And uh, we're continuing with that work and adding some more additional people so that we can really look at all the aspects of interfaith cooperation that occur on a campus. So we're looking, for instance, at exemptions for religious holy days and holidays for our staff, faculty, and students. We also provide panel discussions, which are especially helpful for students because they get to see students of other faiths that they might know in another context talk about how important their particular faith tradition is. We also, uh, out of campus ministry, have a program called Explore, which has been going about seven years, started by a couple Lutheran students, and has continued to visit different places of worship around Cleveland from different faith traditions. And the reason we are supporting this and hope to continue it is that there's really no way to find out what a worship experience is like for those who worship in that tradition unless you actually go to the worship space and experience it. Because part of this is always architecture, part of it is the ritual itself, and part of it is just the experience of feeling that this is a group that is praying to God in a very intense and purposeful way, and that's what brings about the respect and the care uh, for those of other faiths. What are some of the um, churches, synagogues, or mosques that um, students have visited? We always go to at least one synagogue, and as you know, in the area of John Carroll, there are many to pick from. And so we've been able to go to those that are Reformed and conservative and even an Orthodox synagogue last year, which was very interesting, but we didn't, um, the women especially, were not able to really enter into it because we were in a balcony. Mm -hmm. Um, However, I think it's important to, to recognize the differences within different traditions. We've been to the mosque, we've been to the Hindu temple, Buddhist temple. Uh, We have been to Byzantine, which is part of our Catholic tradition, but unknown to many Catholics. We've been to Orthodox churches and cathedrals. Uh, We've been to several Lutheran ones. As I said, it was started by Lutherans, Mm -hmm. and we have a large group of Lutherans at John Carroll. We've been to Unitarian. Um, We've been out to Kirtland, which is a center for the Mormon tradition. Almost any, tradi- any hmm. faith tradition you can imagine, we have, have been there. I mean, I know we provide transportation. The student group is very yes. involved. What about um, 
kind of reflecting on the experience. Do you have any um, advice in terms of uh, how do you get the most out of this experience for the students? Right. So we send those who are registered, we send them some information about where they're going so that they can be prepared for the worship experience. Some traditions, for instance, it's important what you dress and how you dress. And for some traditions, women will need to have a head covering. So we provide that ahead of time. And then following the experience, um, either on the bus or at a place where they eat afterwards, we have reflection questions led by our resident ministers. Resident ministers are those who have graduated from college have an interest in ministry and live in the residence halls and are uh, ministers to our residential population. Mm -hmm. And what are those questions like? What do you ask the students? Well, the questions are uh, about, first of all, the, the actual physical characteristics of the worship environment, which are often uh, really new to those who are attending. And then we talk about what struck them the most where they found similarities between their own tradition and this tradition, where they found differences, uh, questions that they might have, further questions that they might have that they would want to follow up on or, or for us to help them follow up. And we've done this um, for many years. Last year was part of our assessment program as it is this year. So, On this broader topic of religious diversity, I know um, at the um, Theology for Teachers workshop this year, you uh, uh, offered a uh, breakout session on prayer in a diverse classroom. And in that, you cited a number of statistics about religious diversity in the United States from the Pew Landscape Study, among others. Um, what, in looking at that or in preparing for your remarks, what number most surprised you? So, um, what we find at John Carroll is we have a predominant number of Catholic students. And what I think our students are always interested in, and I thought might be interesting to those attending, is that the, the statistics regarding Christians versus Catholics are almost reversed in our school, at least at John Carroll, so that you have a predominant number of Catholic students with a small number of Christian students, whereas in the general population in Ohio, those numbers are reversed. So that's one thing I think it's always important to consider. The second thing is the number of those who do not identify with a tradition. Mm. And that comes in various forms. Either they don't answer, or they have no tradition, or they they answer in a different way to indicate that they're not aligned with a particular tradition. And all the studies, both from Pew and from CARA and from our own demographic studies, show that that number is increasing. And there's been a lot written about that. There's a lot, um, I think, that we can do as teachers and campus ministers to really reach out to that demographic, um, which is about 22%, no matter where you look. Okay. How do you talk about prayer, then, with those who don't identify as religious. Right, so last year I, um, as you mentioned, co-taught a class called Interreligious Dialogue, and as a requirement of the class, everyone was required to take a turn praying at the beginning of each session, or reflecting. And so what they did, those that identified as either atheist or having no um, tradition, they brought in a reflection 
and they led us through a reflection. Sometimes that was a meditation, sometimes it was music. So I think it's important to recognize that people do reflect, all people reflect, and it's a benefit mm. to everyone, mm -hmm. whether they are identifying with a religious tradition or not, and helping them to identify those things that they do and showing that those can be prayer or they can be an intentional seeking for God in no matter what way you refer to God. Mm -hmm. So do you talk about that as prayer? If you're, I mean, I'm trying to think about how you, in a way, right. convey uh, a kind of Christian or even a Catholic uh -huh. sense of, of prayer in a context where, um, say, agnostic or atheist or, I mean, I... Well, what we try to talk about, what I try to talk about in the class, and I talked about a little bit in the um, workshop, is that you invite people to participate in the way that they would normally participate. This is a time set aside for reflection. Those who are of a tradition that believes in prayer and, and worship should be invited to use that time for prayer. They should be invited to make the sign of the cross if that's how they begin their time of prayer. Whatever it is that they do for prayer and then the experience itself can be whatever the person um, is presenting. But I think it's really trying to get the person themselves to intentionally pray during that time that is set aside. A number of our listeners, as you know, teach in Catholic high schools. So, how would you, how do you respond to the the critique or the question that isn't this a Catholic school? Shouldn't we be teaching students how to pray Catholic prayers or pray as Catholics? Oh, absolutely. I think we should be teaching that. I think, for instance, a lot of students who are not Catholic will not know how to make the sign of the cross. So, if you just automatically start with that, they will feel excluded and for young people they that's a difficult feeling for everyone it is certainly so I think it's important to explain anything that is going to be intentionally Catholic ahead of time that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it but if you explain it you can invite them to participate or not you can explain the symbolism and really I think that in and of itself um, is invitational. So the prayer becomes a teaching opportunity. The beginning of it. Yeah. Of course, yeah. once yeah. you enter into the prayer, then you have to pause and ask people to enter into prayer. So there should be a teaching moment, then there should definitely be that time of prayer where people can, including the teacher, enter into that communication with God, which is the essence of prayer. Mm. Are there particular modes of prayer, types of prayer that you think are effective in group settings? I really love Lexio Divina. Explain uh, that to me. I feel that um, you can take any um, scripture or even poetry, uh, if, it's, if it has religious imagery in it, um, and you can pray through scripture with anyone. So 
Lexio, of course, is a, is a very basic and simple prayer to use. You're going to read through the passage, and the first time just... Read through out loud, or...? Read through out loud, that's always the best way. Mm -hmm. um, some people prefer to have the passage available for everyone to look at. I do not, but that's up to what you mm -hmm. found to be successful. Um, and then the second time you read it through, you ask people to note words and phrases. And then the third time, you ask them to think about how they will take this scripture passage with them into their day. So if it's difficult to do this in a classroom because you have 30 different people that are going to respond, I would say using a prayer journal is a really good technique mm. when you're praying with Lexio. Um, I also love the examine, which is a uniquely Ignatian way of praying, but also very accessible to people of any faith tradition. It's based on gratitude, finding God in your day, and taking that insight into your next day. Um, so I think that's a wonderful way of praying. Any kind of prayer can be used in, a, in a, any setting. Mm -hmm. The only thing I would recommend is if it's going to be a prayer that everyone is not going to know to explain it and to provide the prayer. Mm -hmm. Very good. Just thinking about your own, you know, um, reflection, education, continuing development. Do you have a favorite, do you have a favorite book about prayer or on prayer or a favorite prayer book? So I'm always looking. <laughs> um, so I constantly have new sources that I look at that I really love. Um, there was one which I just found out is going away. It's called Education for Justice, and it has wonderful prayer resources. Um, I hope they find a new um, home financially, but right now it's called Education for Justice, and they have uh, just great resources. Um, is that a is that a larger it's an online? Oh, okay. It's, it's through the Center for Concern. Okay. But um, there are many, so many resources online that that we utilize. Also, I have um, I have one that has really been helpful for a lot of people. It's called "For Praying Out Loud." It's by Annie Forster, F O E R S T E R, Skinner House Books in Boston, and I like this one because um, it is very much interfaith. All the prayers could be used in any kind of a setting. There's another one called the Interfaith Prayer Book, which um, they just had a new edition that came out. And you can find this also online, these kinds of things, where they it's a compilation of prayers from other traditions. This is my... Um, least favorite way of praying in an interfaith setting which is to just take a prayer from another tradition mm. and put it into a prayer service mm -hmm. I would much rather um, get someone invite someone from the tradition themselves to offer a prayer that they're comfortable offering or to read a passage of scripture that they are comfortable reading rather than myself pick something. I used to do that when I first started this yeah. work. That's the way I did interfaith yeah. prayer. 
and I've gradually come to feel that it's better if you cannot find someone from that tradition uh -huh. to pray the prayer from that tradition to pick something else. Yeah. Um, and, and that's just my own way of looking at it, but I, I really want to be uh, respecting of the other tradition. Yeah. Well, even as, you know, I was thinking earlier about, um, you know, when you're talking about the beginning of prayer as kind of a, a, a teaching moment, but also the, the opportunity to invite students to lead group prayer um, and how that invites a certain um, uh, diversity um, even within Catholicism or uh, Christian traditions because they're they're kind of choosing something that's significant to them they're trying to um, uh, uh, draw you know others into their particular way of praying right um, it's interesting because last year in our class we had one student who brought the Our Father as their as their prayer that they wanted to pray from their tradition. This person was Catholic, that's why they called it the Our Father. Mm -hmm. Protestant traditions might not call it that. They call it the Lord's Prayer, more likely. And of course there's a different ending. And so that created a wonderful teaching opportunity mm -hmm. to talk about why the two prayers are somewhat the same and somewhat different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's a very good example of how the same prayer, really slightly differently, can be seen in different traditions. Mm -hmm. um, and because it's part of our liturgy, I think it's also important to explain this. If you're going to be going to a Catholic liturgy, right. what's going to happen? So the student who is not Catholic does not go ahead and blurt out the ending of the prayer and then feel very ridiculous. Out of place, right. <laughs> no, and that's, I think, especially too for, um, for Christians, the ways in which the prayers of the Hebrew Bible or the Old Testament um, function, that that's another opportunity to think about oh, how it, Christians it sure. read those texts, pray those prayers very differently um, in some ways, and in others uh, similarly with um, Jewish people. Yes, for sure. We've been talking to Gail Rossi, Associate Director of Campus Ministry at John Carroll University about prayer in a diverse classroom. Gail, thanks so much. Oh, you're so welcome. Theology for Teachers is produced by Edward P. Hannenberg, the Breen Chair in Catholic Theology at John Carroll University in collaboration with The Living Person Media. John Carroll is a Jesuit Catholic University in Cleveland, Ohio. To learn more, visit www.theologyforteachers.com. That's theologyforteachers.com.